Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Stay focused. You stay focused. Even when everyone else leaves, don't you leave the Lord. Don't you bell on him. You stay focused. And that's why he tells him in, you know, in this next chapter, he starts it off with like, Timothy, be strengthened by what? By your fortitude, by your strong will? No. By the grace that you find in Jesus Christ. And that most certainly is applicable to every single one of us. In order to be a fruitful Christian, you have to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strength isn't found in yourself, but in the grace of Jesus. Grace is the source of our salvation as well as the power of our daily life as a Christian. You start in grace, you stand in grace, and you're strengthened by grace. Today, Pastor James will continue reading through the book of 2 Timothy, where you'll see Paul encourage Timothy in his last days to stand fast and remain strong in the grace found in Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Second Timothy is where we're at. Because we did First Timothy, we wanted to go back and to, to kind of, you know, wrap this thing up with Second uh, Timothy. So that's where we find ourselves. And the Apostle Paul wrote the book of First and Second Timothy, and it is addressed to his protege who was Timothy, this young man who had seen the Apostle Paul traveling through his town uh, and had devoted his life to the gospel and to following Jesus because of the Apostle Paul and his ministry. And Paul took him under his wings and essentially adopted him, so to speak. Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. And he was going to invest in this young man and not just invest in him, but invest in him and then set him free to go and serve the Lord. That's what discipleship is. If you think discipleship is just teaching Bible studies and never like releasing people to go and serve the Lord, then we have it all wrong. That's not what discipleship is. It's not. Um, Read the Bible. It's very clear. Discipleship is sitting down, and it's about the Word of God, and learning, and studying this thing, and all that good stuff, and then going out and doing what it says. That's discipleship. And then making disciples. It's ministry of multiplication is what it is. So Paul was doing that with Timothy, with Titus, and, and a handful of other guys, But this letter, which is Paul's last letter before his life is taken from him, uh, is just Paul's kind of last, you know, encouragement to Timothy saying, listen, young man, you keep your eyes on Jesus, you follow him. There's a gift that has been placed inside of you. You need to keep that thing stirred up. You need to use that thing for his kingdom, for his glory but you have a calling and you need to run your race. And Paul at this point in time is saying, basically comes to the conclusion of like, I've ran my race. It's over for me. It's over. But he wasn't, and this is how we should be. Paul was not content. He's fine with translating from this world to the next. He's okay with that. He's got no problem with that. He already told us that. To be present before the Lord, yeah, that's awesome. However, I, you know, I want to remain here on earth for as long as God has me so that I can be fruitful. I mean, that was kind of his mentality. But 
he needed to make sure that Timothy was going to take that torch and run with it. And so that's, that's where we find ourselves within this book. And we, we look through chapter one and, you know, we, we kind of walk through that thing. And Paul's just laying out the groundwork of Timothy, here's, you know, as a man of God and as a leader of the church, this is what's required of you. This is what's expected of you. And we get a little bit more of that in chapter two. Now, what, I want you to understand this as well. This is being addressed to Timothy as a pastor and how to pastor a church and everything. Don't disqualify yourself from application. Because you might be thinking, well, I'm not a minister, or I'm not a pastor, or whatever. It doesn't matter. There's still applicable points within this thing that you can, you can embrace today. And really, we all should apply these truths, okay? So chapter 2, verse 1, Paul starts it off, this section anyways. You then, Timothy, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, Okay. So he just was talking about two individuals, you know, who had essentially people had been deserting the Apostle Paul, okay? At the end of his life, um, others had become ashamed of him, and there were a handful that were not ashamed of him that stuck with him to the very end. However, there were, there were multiple ones who just were kind of embarrassed by it all in one sense, and they, they bailed on him. In his time of need, they bailed on him. And Paul's communicating to Timothy just to let him know the reality of ministry is this. It's lonely. I don't know what your idea of, you know, working at a church and being a pastor and all that stuff. I can tell you this from my own experience. 15 plus years of doing this, it is lonely. You're like, well, we can fix that. No, no, no. We don't need to fix that. That's not the point. The point of it is Paul is addressing to Timothy is like, listen, um, one day you may have these guys with you, and the next day they could be gone. That's how it works. That's how it works. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. Paul's focus was the Lord Jesus, and whether he was alone or whether he had multiple people beside him, it didn't matter. He had a mission he had to fulfill. He had a calling on his life that he had to be committed to this thing, regardless of circumstances. And he's telling Timothy the same thing. Stay focused. You stay focused. Even when everyone else leaves, don't you leave the Lord. Don't you bell on him. You stay focused. And that's why he tells him in, you know, in this next chapter, he starts it off with like, Timothy, be strengthened by what? By your fortitude, by your strong will? No. By the grace that you find in Jesus Christ. And that most certainly is applicable to every single one of us. Because I can encourage all of you and myself today, right now, you be strengthened by the grace that you find in Jesus with whatever you're going through, whatever it is you're going through. The thing that will get you through that, the thing that will get you through the lonely nights locked up in a dungeon when everybody else has bailed on you. And all you would love is just to have maybe some brothers and sisters around you, even your own coat. I mean, Paul's going to say that at the end of this whole letter to Timothy. Can you just bring me my jacket? It's cold in this dungeon. But throughout those nights, what's going to get you through those moments? The grace of God will get you through that. He will see you through the darkest night. Be strengthened by that. Be strengthened by him. Be strengthened by him. Paul goes on to say, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. Now, you need to understand when it, when it uses the term that men, don't go all crazy on me. 
technically that also includes men and women, okay? It's just so we know that, so we understand that. There's a big deal about all some of this stuff. Timothy's responsibility, as Paul is charging him, is to what you have heard me teach, you know, pure, true doctrine, you are supposed to entrust to faithful believers, individuals, who what? Who will be able to teach others also. Timothy, here's your role as a pastor. You study, you learn from others, you be poured into from others, do the work of a minister. We'll see that in a second as well. And then you pour into others, you train up others, and you set them free to go and do the ministry. That's the role of a pastor. That's what a pastor should be doing. That's what I should be doing. Now I'm looking at this and it's kind of like looking into a mirror and I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'm doing that. I definitely need to work on that. But my responsibility as a pastor is to train up individuals for the work of the ministry. That's it. Your responsibility, well, number one, should be be teachable. That kind of helps, especially anybody who stands up here. It really helps to have teachable individuals, okay? We've dealt with individuals who are not teachable. They don't last long. You, whether Calvary Galveston is your home church or it's somewhere else, it doesn't matter. You be teachable. You be teachable, and then you be willing to teach other people. See, it's multiplication here. It's, you got to continue this thing on. Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. It wasn't just for the disciples. It wasn't just for those guys of like, hey, you guys, this only applies to you guys. Go and make disciples. If that was it, that would be a horrible plan for taking over the world with the gospel, right? Because when those guys die, well, who's, <laughs> who's supposed to carry it on? No, the point of it is you make disciples who then make disciples who then make disciples who then make disciples. And what you have in less than essentially a few years' time is the, really the, the world complaining that Christians have turned the world upside down. See, when we're doing it, the world will notice. When we're not doing it, the world will probably notice. We need to be, number one, teachable ourselves, but then also willing to teach others. This doesn't mean that you need to be a pastor. This doesn't mean necessarily you need to be a teacher within children's ministry or anything, anything like that. It's got to go beyond these walls. You're a teacher everywhere you go. I mean, if you have influence over any certain, you know, group of individuals, a sphere of influence, you are a teacher. God has placed you in a position to teach and to instruct people. It doesn't mean that you pull your coworkers together and be like, okay, you guys have a seat. I'm going to do a little Bible lesson and you guys are going to hear me out. It, that's not how, number one, that might not work at your job. Okay. You might get fired. Okay. So number one, I wouldn't encourage that, uh, but you can develop relationships with coworkers and teach them the gospel. Teach them the word of God without it. It doesn't have to be a classroom. That's, that's, that's Western. That's a, like a Western mentality. No, it's like doing life together. I don't sit my kids down and say, okay, and I'm going to teach you how to be a good kid, right? Or I'm going to teach you how to be a good citizen within this country that we live in. I don't do that. I model it for them. I try to model it for them as best as I can, right? Um, that's, that's what being a teacher is. You live it out, but you got to be willing to be, you know, to, to receive, but then also to give out. And Timothy's role, as far as Paul was concerned, was find faithful individuals and invest in them. 
He goes on to say, too, the part that we don't really like, especially us in America, we really don't like this notion, but, you know, it's in the Bible, so uh, deal with it, right? <laughs> like, okay, let's, let's just deal with this thing. Share in the suffering. No, oh, wait, no, we don't like the suffering word. Don't say the S word, right? Like, don't, no, 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 because I know there's guys out there who say we shouldn't be suffering. Well, those guys are wrong. Those guys are wrong. They don't read their Bibles all the way. Jesus said, hey, if you follow me, guess what you should expect? A little bit of suffering. <laughs> if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. The world hated me, the world's going to hate you. Why are we so surprised by that? Paul says to Timothy, he's like, listen, by the way, share in the suffering as what? As a good soldier. This is a fight. This is a battle. This is a battle. See, we don't like the suffering because we tend sometimes to think of it as too much of like some sort of vacation. This is vacation. No, this is war. This is war. If you signed up, you said, I surrender. You, you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You were enlisted in a battle. And it's not laser tag. It's not paintball. It's not all those fun things we like to play. No, this is like, this is a battle. This is heaven and hell. This is a war. And in war, there's always suffering. There's always suffering. But Paul is encouraging Timothy, listen, you share in it. Share in the suffering. You don't avoid the suffering. Timothy, you go into it expecting it. And then you endure through the suffering. It'll make you stronger. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, verse 4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So this is a nice little illustration that Paul's going to throw out there for Timothy. He's saying, listen, and, and we understand this. Some of you guys have served in the military. You, under, you go through like, you know, basic training and everything. You're like, they want to separate you from everything. Why? So your focus is singular. And so you're going through discipline. And you're being trained up and being prepared for what you might face. But you better be prepared for every single situation that you might come across, even though there's a chance you may never see any action. But you better be prepared for it. Well, if you're going to be prepared for it, you need to be focused. And as Paul is chained to a Roman soldier as he is writing this letter in a dungeon, he's probably observing this guy and maybe having conversations with this guy as well. This guy is focused on what? On his one singular aim, and that's to please the one who enlisted him. And Paul is telling Timothy, look, as a good soldier, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, you stay focused. Don't get distracted by all the stuff. And we're going to go through a whole list of things that, that are just simply there to, to distract us as we serve the Lord. You stay focused because your ultimate goal in all of this is to stand before Jesus, the commander of the Lord's armies, Joshua, we saw him there, and for him to say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Good job, soldier. Way to go. You've earned your stripes. Here's your medal. Right? Like, that's what we want. This life is going to throw so much at us to, to get our focus off of that, to get our focus off of him. And Paul is telling Timothy, look, just like a good soldier, you stay focused. Remember, you were enlisted into this battle. 
You were enlisted in it before the foundations of the world. Before the foundations of the world. I know there might be some issues with some of this stuff. No, he signed up for it. No, no, it was, it's already worked out. The Lord already knows who his soldiers are going to be, okay? Did you sign up for it? Yeah, in a way. I've heard many pastors talk about this and like this issue of, you know, predestination and all this stuff. Um, one guy said, he's like, you know, on the outside of the church doors, it says, all who may can enter or free for, you know, whoever will, you know, or whosoever shall come in. And then you come in and you look behind you and the, the sign on the door on the back of the church says, predestined before the foundations of the earth. And you're like, how does that work? I don't know. Here's what I do know. I'm in lessons into the army and I know that Jesus is my commanding officer and I'm here to serve him. He says he picked me before the foundation of the world. Sweet. I know at 19 years old, I surrendered my life to him. And I said, listen, whatever you tell me to do, I will follow you period. And I surrendered to him at 19. How all that stuff works out in the time frame of history, I have no clue. But I trust Jesus, and he kind of knows what he's doing. All right? So I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. If that's a hang-up for you, an issue for you, here's my encouragement for you, because I have friends who are kind of on both sides of that story. Um, you share the gospel with anyone and everyone, especially as the Holy Spirit leads you. You should never wrestle with like, well, I don't know if they were predestined to be saved or not. That's moronic, okay? That's not, that doesn't make sense. If the Spirit is urging you to share the gospel with somebody, you be obedient. Let the Lord work out his business however he chooses to. We'll see in a second, you're just a vessel. You're just a cup. That's all you are. You're a clay pot. That's all you are. So if you think you got it all figured out, you might want to take a step back and be like, wait a minute. Hey, he made me this clay pot. I think I'll trust him and his wisdom and all this stuff of like, I'm just glad I'm saved. I'm just glad I'm in. Praise God for that. Praise God for that miracle and that he would even offer such a beautiful, wonderful gift to each and every one of us. Amazing. Timothy was enlisted. I hope that you understand that, man, the Lord is calling you to be a part of his heavenly army. All right. Hopefully you've already said yes. There's another illustration he's going to use. It's that of an athlete. Verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. That makes sense. We get that. I think the Olympics at this point in time in the region where Paul was at, it was a big deal. It was a major deal going on. But you can't just go to the Olympics and do whatever you want to do. That's not how it works. You can't show up to a race and establish the rules based on how you feel. That's not, how, that's not logical. And I know in our country for right now, for some reason, we put logic on the shelf concerning a lot of things. Um, we still need logic and reason, okay? We really do. You can't show up to the Summer Olympics and walk up to the starting line and just like do whatever you want to do. You can't do that. All the other guys are running on foot and you show up on horseback. Like, no. That's not how it works. Oh, I think I'm going to run the opposite way. No, then you lose. Then you lose. I think I'm going to start running before the gunshot. You lose. You are part of this race. You follow the rules. We don't make up the rules. You don't make up the rules. And when you follow Jesus and when you surrender your life to this and you commit yourself to him and to this thing, you don't get to just make up the rules. That's not how it works. That's not what being a Christian is. A Christian 
is somebody who says, as Paul would do so many times, saying like, listen, I am a, a slave to Jesus. He's my master. What does that communicate? He tells me what to do, and I do it, period. You don't get to run this race doing whatever you want to do. In fact, if you function that way, you will be disqualified. That should be a warning. That should be like alarm system saying like, okay, Lord, then what do you want me to do? What are, the, what are the boundaries or the parameters that you have placed within my life that I need to honor and to respect? He's placed you, we talked about this a little bit last week, he placed you in a lane, run in that lane. He's placed a gift in you for you to use for him, for his glory and for his kingdom. Stay in that lane. Unless he moves you to a different lane, you don't move. This alone can apply to all sorts of aspects within our lives. When I was in Amarillo as a youth pastor, and I knew my time as a youth pastor was coming to a close, the, the bummer about it was that the Lord didn't tell me what was next. He just was showing me like, your time's coming to an end here. It was 15 years, 15 years as a youth pastor. And so then I'm trying to think through like, well, what do I do? And well, I'll just start, I'll just start knocking on all these doors, I guess. I got to figure this thing out. And praise God, I contacted my good friend at the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Marietta, California, where I went, he was the dean of men at that point in time, a good old Texas boy. And so I knew I could reach out to him and I'm like, hey, Mark Schwartz, uh, listen, man, the Lord's moving me on, but I, I don't know what to do. And I heard there's a job at the Bible College. I used to work there. And so I was like, heard there's a job available at the Bible College. Man, can you put a word in for me? Maybe that's what the Lord has for me. And uh, being a, a good, old, good old boy from Texas, he gave me an illustration to teach me the, the truth of what I needed to know. And it involved a fence post and a turtle. And he's like, there's a turtle on top of the fence post. He's like, turtle couldn't put itself there. Nobody know who put it there. But he's always looking at the next fence post wanting to get there. Well, it's impossible for him to get down. He can fall off. But he's not going to make it onto that next fence post unless somebody picks him up and places him there. And I'm like, all right. I'm just trying to like, okay. And then it clicked. And he's like, James, listen, when the Lord's ready to move you from one fence post to the other fence post, he'll do that. And usually he'll just drop you on it. And then you'll realize like, oh, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. And sure enough, shortly after that, doors blew wide open for Galveston and for my family and I to move down here. This is now my new fence post. Um, so, but it was the Lord. But, you know, Mark's encouragement for me was, listen, stay focused on the Lord where you're at right now. Don't get distracted. Don't get worried about this and that. Just stay where you're at right now. Serve him where you're at right now. The Lord knows how to take care of this stuff. The Lord knows how to take care of you, and he knows how to take care of his kingdom work, which he is graciously letting you be a part of. He knows how to work it out. So don't stress out about that. Next one is, is the, the farmer. It's the hardworking emphasis on hardworking farmer, okay? A lazy farmer is no farmer at all. In fact, he's probably just, you know, a guy who's going to starve in a while, okay? Because you can't be, I know this, you, you, know, you probably know this, if you know anybody who's ever owned a farm or worked on a farm, being up in Amarillo, there's farms all over the place, you can't be a farmer unless you are a hard-working farmer. A lazy farmer is just not, an, it doesn't exist, right? Because they're no longer farmers. They lose everything. And Paul tells Timothy, he's like, it's the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red 
We're so glad that you tuned in today to learn from God's Word on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has shared much from 2 Timothy, and there are good things that you can take with you, even all these years after the book was written. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this study or other books of the Bible, you can do so at our website, breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to meet you, so if you're in the Galveston area, come join us this Sunday for worship. Calvary Galveston meets at 10 a.m. for a time of praising the Lord. Please come just as you are. We want to meet you. For directions to our church and more information, visit breadforthebroken.com. And if you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask for your partnership in this ministry. We're grateful to have you as a listener, and we'd love to have this ministry covered in your prayers. We ask that more people would listen and genuinely hear the truth about Jesus. Pray for lives to be changed. Also pray that all of those involved in Bread for the Broken would have open hearts to hearing where God would lead. And if you feel led, we're also grateful for financial support. Visit breadforthebroken.com and go to the About tab to learn more or to connect with us if you have any questions. Our time with you has come to an end today, but join us again next time here on Bread for the Broken.